mean, this isn't going to be any easier of a task, honestly. Um, this is a really good lineup. This is a team that we've seen, I think, what, four times this year, four or five times. I don't know how many times we play them. But, yeah, I mean, it's a really good lineup. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't get a chance to see Evan Carter um, earlier in the year. So that's another fold that they added into the mix. Um, and, yeah, and, they're, and they're, they're playing hot, too. So um, it's not going to be an easy, easy task by any means. I would probably say just another start. Obviously, it is the World Series, and I understand everything that's on the line. It's, you know, you got a win or you go home, and you don't want to come this far just to come this far. Um, being four wins away to achieve our goal, that's what we're here to do, and I'm going to treat it like any other start. Same routine, same preparation, and things like that. Obviously, uh, I mean, a little bit more preparation, I'd say, going into this one, but, um, you know, it's more so trying to control the adrenaline and the, uh, the emotions out there, make sure from the first pitch on, I'm... I'm trying to settle in as fast as I can into the game to go out there and try to go as long as I can. All right. Those are the gentlemen who will be on the mound tonight. Game one of the World Series. You heard from Zach Gowan first. He will be in the mound for the Diamondbacks. And a very excited Nathan Uvalde. <laughs> hey, Jeff, what What if one of the two just said, you know what? I'm scared to death. Like, it's the biggest game oh, of the yeah. season. Like, I, I don't know how I'm going to walk to the field. Like, what if one of them said that? I mean, it would be, you know, more more enduring if you actually heard that from one of them. But you, you're ah. sort of hearing that calming, like, you know, it's just another start. Whatever. It's not you know just what? another start. I'm a big believer in act like you've been there before. Oh, yeah. And while Gallon hasn't been there before, Yvaldi <laughs> yeah. has. It is wow. Blair and Barker, game one of the World Series tonight, 8.05 on Sportsnet. Are we going to call it? Are we just going to get out of the way and call it Moreno Fest and just leave it huh. at that? I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to say on. that I'm moving on. No, no, no. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I, well, you I'm, were telling I'm, the people. I'm, I'm moving you told on. The I'm people. moving on. You told the I'm people on to, to move on, and you won't let it. Way too early to judge a trade. I'm moving on. <laughs> until one of them wins, until either he or Lourdes Gurriel Jr. win MVP award in this year. I'm moving on. Wow. Wow. I'm moving on Can from you it. imagine? That'd be oh, awesome. Yes, I can. <laughs> oh, yes, I can imagine. Believe me, I can imagine. <laughs> I can uh, imagine. Yes, I, I uh, yeah. Well, I it can. may take that if, if the imagine. Diamondbacks expect to win. It may take one of those being the MVP. Yeah, it's uh, well. I mean, let's talk about that. Going, I mean, we've we've now had a chance to kind of think about who's in it. I had to, I made my prediction and uh, on Sportsnet thoughts. Yeah, I said Rangers and six, and I told people, hey, don't forget, I'm one for six so far in the postseason. I had both wow. of these teams losing in the first round, so take that for what it's worth. That'll probably mean the Diamondbacks will sweep them. Uh, but you know, like looking at this, breaking down a few things, Kevin. The the, the only way. The only way I see Texas losing this series is if it's a battle of bullpens. It's the only way I see it happening. I mean, I've tried to give the Diamondbacks the benefit of the doubt. It's a great story, but their lineup doesn't scare me as much as the Rangers lineup. Maybe I'm putting too much faith into Nate Uvalde, but I'll still take Nate Uvalde over any of the Diamondbacks Diamondbacks starters. Yeah, you know, and I also know that dude. I know that he may pitch four times in this series. He may end up starting two games and coming out of the bullpen twice because that's that's what Nathan Uvalde does. Um, but I'm looking forward. Look, I, I think the games. I will say this: I think the games are going to be really good. Uh, I, 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 my initial reaction is this could be one of two ways: they could be good close games, or Texas could just beat the bejesus out of them. But I've seen enough of the Diamondbacks now to know that uh, 
uh, that I think it's going to be good baseball. And you know what? It's going to be. I said this the other day, and I'm dead serious about it. It's it's fun. It's fun seeing Corbin Carroll six days in a row. It's fun seeing Adol- Adolis Garcia. It, it it's fun seeing these dudes that I just don't see a lot of during the regular season. I'm kind I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, it's it's new, right? You you get to actually see what other players, other organizations, how they attack big time games in the biggest games of the season. And we, I'm just going to jump. But we talked about this. Doesn't this hasn't this postseason convinced you how, or hasn't it shown you how far away the Jays really are from being a contending team because of how good Texas is, because of how good Arizona is. We knew about Philadelphia. You know, you saw Houston's lineup. We knew about that. But it's, it's, it's really opened my eyes. Let me ask you a question. It's really opened my eyes. Do you think if Bo Bichette was in the playoffs and didn't show up that the Blue Jays could make Not the a World Series hell. like the Not Diamondbacks did with Christian Walker basically being non-existent? Like or, that? Texas with, or Texas with Marcus Semien being non-existent. There you go, right? It's Not so, at all. No so chance. There, yeah, yeah, so I think you answered your question before you actually said it, and it came. the words came out of your mouth. Like it, yeah, and I'm, look, not gonna, look, I'm not piling on, but I'm just saying that it, it has reinforced in my mind how, how, much, how much work this organization has to do. Well, you, well, you now, I will on. say this. I would love to see Gossman, Barrios, Bassett, <laughs> Kikuchi in a, in a World guess. Series. Well, you just won't let it go, will you? Like, <laughs> that's it. That's all like I got. What, Nothing else. I, I mean, if you were a Jays fan, I, absolutely. But look, look, it's I, I, I think this is what I think. I think the only way the Rangers have a tough time is if Jose Leclerc doesn't show up. If yep. he has a couple of bad outings in a row. What do they do? Like, who do they go to then? Say in the eighth inning with one out to face the meat of the order, to throw those two outs and then the ninth inning. That will be the question for me, and how, how do they get through it? Maybe they won't. Maybe that's the only way that the Diamondbacks can win the World Series is if Jose Leclerc basically doesn't show up and, and you know, can't get big time outs and, and, and make it a little easier for Boach to figure out how to work through, right, if Max Scherzer, right, can only go two and a third or two and two-thirds, you know, Obviously, having Leclerc at the end would make it easier for him to match up and use the guys he needs to use to get it to however, whenever he wants to bring in Leclerc. So, yeah, there's there's some there's some names that you know you mentioned. Marcus Simeon needs to do something. You know, Max Scherzer needs to do something. Like I, I mean, he's a I guess he would be a first ballot Hall of Fame. But you know, the Hall of Famers in the playoffs have just not shown up. Like, let's be honest. Like, they have not, right? The dude the dude for the Dodgers didn't show up. The dude for the Phillies didn't show up. The dude for the Rangers hasn't shown up. So, yeah, I think there's some names that you could point out and, and really hone in on if you're trying to talk yourself into the Diamondbacks winning, that if the Rangers' names didn't show up. But still, they still have that lineup. Like, they still have balance. They still have shortening up, going the other way. They can manufacture runs. They still have Adolis Garcia, who, you know, has tons of swing and miss. That if they if he doesn't chase the sweeper or the cutter away, he getting pitches, he's going to hit those things to the mood. So, yeah, it's a tall task. But I, but if you told me the Diamondbacks win at six, I don't know if I could argue with you. Like, that's the sort of why I want to tune into these games is, 
like you could sell me on both. And I think that's the intriguing part of this is, I mean, there's a favorite, but if you said the other team would win, I don't know if I could argue with you. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, again, and, and that's, that's kind of what you want in a world series. You want that, you want that, that uncertainty, <laughs> you know? But what if Gabby Marino wins the oh, MVP? Stop it already. Uh, see, I've already, I've already had our say. <laughs> what? I already what had does? our say about that. Now, what let's if, just move if, on. What, what if he gets Don't even the head out it. on 98 and backspins a homer to left center field? <laughs> what if that's, I don't know, it would be awesome, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't want to continue on this, uh, this but vein you of are. thought. But, but I'm going to – I I also checked out Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s numbers against against uh, Nathan Uvalde and Jordan Montgomery. They're good? They're real good. They're, like, exceptional. We're talking uh, – well, I, I can tell you what it is. You've got a th- couple of home runs against Uvalde, and I checked. It's not just one game. It was over a couple of years. Uh, he's, like, 8 for 21 against uh, <laughs> against Jordan Montgomery. Uh, he's got he's got he's got really really he's got really good numbers against against those two guys and those two guys are going to pitch an awful lot. As a matter of fact, I can tell you exactly what the numbers are right now as I pull them up in front of me, uh, because you know look the the focus has been on Gabriel Moreno uh, from the Blue Jays fans' Rightfully point of so. view. Lur- Lourdes Gurriel Jr. First of all, he's in a five-game hitting streak right now. He's seven for nineteen with a homer, two doubles, seven for eighteen against uh, Nathan Yavaldi with uh, two home runs and uh, six for 21 against Jordan Montgomery with a home run. So, I mean, you know, there, there you go. Um, small sample size, but it, you kind of wonder if, uh, and I, and I remember Gurriel having good at bats against, against Uvalde as well. You wonder if maybe this okay. might be, this might be a series uh, for Lourdes, uh, yeah. for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Well, you know, he knows he has to be short and quick. He knows the stride separation has to be on point. He knows he has to stay tall because he's a long-limbed dude. When he is on point with his lower half and that stride separation, which allows his hands to stay close to his body and be a little bit more direct to the baseball because what's a volley do? He throws hard with a split finger, right? So you know you got to be short and quick thinking right center. You're facing a lefty who can throw in. You know you got to be short and quick. you got to be balanced with your lower half going into that you got a good mindset so yeah it's like that good you just mentioned two reasons right there why the diamondbacks win this thing jeff way to go buddy you talked me into it yeah i want to do that i really don't want i really don't want to do that co-mvps oh stop it now we had co-mvps the last time the diamondbacks were in the world series yeah that was when kurt schilling and randy johnson tag team Tag team the New York Yankees. Sure. Uh, and uh, I've got to, I got to think Randy Johnson will throw out one of the first pitches uh, at, at, uh, at, at Chase Field. Let's be honest. Christian Walker called. needs to do something, and the Diamondback staff needs to get more swing and miss. Because what do the Rangers not do? They don't swing and miss a ton, right? They have individuals who swing and miss, but one through nine consistently puts the ball in play. And, you know, that's this time of the year when you put more balls in play, the heart rate goes up on defense, right? The footwork has to be better. Ball gets on you a little bit more. you got to make all the plays because the team you're facing is not going to have empty at-bats. That's a thing. So I think there's two things for me with the Diamondbacks, right? Christian Walker and swing and miss. If they can get swing and miss and Christian Walker, I'm not saying he's got to go 10 for 20, 
but occasionally hit a three-run homer, right? Change the game that way maybe in the fifth or the sixth inning to make it a little bit easier for Tori Lovello to not have to khaki his way through games because you know what's going to happen, Jeff. You know. You know, they're, they've been thinking about that thing as soon as they got on the plane. You know, how we matching up? How we getting them lefties in there? How we going to do that? We have to. It's a must. So, yeah, yeah, I think the two things that the Diamondbacks have to do for me is big, is key for them to have a chance for this thing to, you know, at least go six or seven games. I'm with you, right? The Diamondbacks have to force a failure from the Rangers, right? The more games they play, the more chance the Rangers have of screwing something up. And yeah. that, for me, is the way that the Diamondbacks can win this thing. Muscle, muscle. They just don't have it, but they can, if they can continue to play the later this series go, have a chance. Uh, we'll be joined later on in the show by Jeff Pass, an MLB insider with ESPN. Nice. Uh, but uh, while we had one half of the Negative War Positive Vibes podcast on yesterday, That's great. <laughs> it really makes me laugh every time uh, I hear oh, that it's title. Tremendous. Uh, we had CJ Nitkowski on yesterday. Now we're very pleased to bring on the other half. Uh, Ryan Spielborgs, who is MLB Network radio host. He will also be alongside Dave Fleming on the MLB International feed broadcasting the World Series. Ryan, thanks for joining uh, Blair and Barker today. We trust you're doing well. Look, you're the perfect person to have on here because you would have seen the Diamondbacks a lot uh, from your work out west. Uh, a very simple question for you. Can they keep this going? Yes, 100%. Good morning, guys. How are you? Um, hey, buddy. Yeah, Great, absolutely. man. They, they, they can totally keep it going. They are, I, I think the part where where people get lost is that they don't look at the overall records of teams over the course of the year and where they were at. There was a point in the season last year where the Rangers and the Diamondbacks are both in first place at the same time. Uh, American League West, National League West, which for me, I get fired up because I don't think there's so much East Coast bias in, and this isn't meant to be like blowing up East Coast bias. I, when I was doing games on the East Coast, I was not staying awake to watch West Coast games. It just wasn't. So I understand it. There's like a physical, you're not staying up till 11, 12, 1 in the morning to watch baseball. I mean, after your team plays, you're going to go to bed. And so, you know, teams like the Rangers and teams like the Diamondbacks or you know, the Padres, any of these West Coast teams. And by the way, the American League West, it's run through Houston. That's an American League West team over and over and over again. So I get that, that you know, for the most part, the broader audience just isn't watching West Coast baseball. And that's unfortunate because for the last decade, I would argue that West Coast baseball, both from the American League and National League, has been the best divisions in baseball consistently. So uh, Diamondbacks absolutely have a chance and can win uh, the World Series. I, I put it more as a coin flip, to be honest. I don't feel like it's a heavy favorite for Texas. Uh, Spilly, you've been in some big games. You've been in a World Series game before. I, I got to ask, I, I hear Nathan Avaldi say it's just another game. I'm just going to go out there and do my thing. Now, obviously, he's been in some big games. He understands how to do that. But take me inside a player's point of view here when it comes to, you know, the the difference in putting your uniform on in a World Series game and saying other than the first time you ever get called up in a big league game, what's the difference? How much harder is it to control everything that's going on around you and be the best player you can possibly be? Oh, yes. I love this question. This is a good one because I think 
let's say, let's say for example, Kevin, you're making your major league debut. If you made yeah. your major league debut in a regular season game, it's about you. It's about like, oh my God, Kevin's family's here, and let's see how he reacts in his first at bat. If you were making your major league debut in the World Series, nobody would care less about what your family's caring about. You're, you're talking about outs. You're talking about pitches. You're talking about the totality of the game as a unit. And so regular season baseball is selfish. It's, it's kind of for you. <laughs> and, like, you know, players go about their day-to-day business, and they see a new guy coming into the clubhouse and, like, hey, what's up? Um, but they're, you know, doing the routine, their routine and everything. You get in the World Series, you get in the postseason, it's about everybody in the clubhouse. It's no longer, you know, back in my baseball card, what can I do for arbitration? It's like, no, seriously, how do we get an out? How do I get ahead of this hitter? How do I get 27 outs? When should I be ready to pinch hit? What do we do to pinch run? I got to make sure I hit the cutoff, man. The game becomes so about the game that that's the separator. That's the difference. And it's pretty easy to compartmentalize and think it through. And you go, damn, he's right. You know, like you get into these playoff games and it's no longer an individual task for a baseball player. It is team oriented. And that's why it's, it's so much fun to go from regular season, which is in a way selfish, to unselfish baseball. Spilly, have you ever seen a guy, Christian Walker's going to be a big deal for the Diamondbacks, I think, hitting the middle order. Uh, you know, he's going to have to, for me anyway, I think if they have a legitimate chance at least getting this to six or seven, it's got to run into one, right? It got to get that big three-run homer maybe in game three to get a little, a little momentum. Don't like the fastball up. Have you ever been around somebody that has went from series to series who has an obvious weakness who's made that adjustment and being able to combat that in the next series and actually have success on one of his weaknesses well i i would tell you marcus Simeon on the rangers has the exact same claw uh, as christian walker so both both those guys if you're paying attention to these games pretty tight uh watch yeah. walker and Simeon. they'll both be they're both very good low ball hitters are having trouble with the fastball up. Uh, what Marcus did in his last game is he just didn't swing at it. <laughs> I mean, there, there comes a time where you're like, I either choose to, to commit and fire my swing off at it, which not everybody's swing is, is catered to get to the top of the zone or just lay off of it and take your shot of like, okay, you got to make three of those pitches up there. And Simeon in, in game six and seven, he walked a bunch. So um, I think if Walker you know, if you're, if you're going to cheat and try to get to the high fastball, you basically expose yourself to secondary pitches and everything because it's a, it's a faster decision to swing up top. Um, so I would guess if, if I'm Christian Walker, either you sell out for a fastball at the top of the zone against Zavaldi and you just fire your swing off three times and hopefully you run into one, or you stay where you're at and you look right down the middle and then um, you don't chase up. So, I mean, there's, there's two choices you have. And we'll see which one they, these guys end up going with. Yeah. You know, I look at these two teams, Ryan. It, it seems to me that the one area, I, I don't know if I'd say the Diamondbacks have the biggest advantage in, but the one area I'd be really, I'd be more comfortable in if I was uh, Tori Lavella than Bruce Bochy is my bullpen. And Kevin Ginkle intrigues me, you know. Now, coming into the postseason, I heard a lot about th- this guy's big pitches, his slider. And, you know, he, he was down in the minors. He came back. The slider's out of the zone more than it's been in the past. In a lot of ways, it's kind of what we talked about with Jordan Romano with the Blue Jays, even though it is, I understand it's a different slider. So all I hear is Kevin Ginkle's slider, Kevin Ginkle's slider. And then I look, 
with, with two strikes in the playoffs, he's throwing as many four seamers as he has sliders, right? Even and and I, I going back and looking at some of the at bats that the Phillies had against him, I I came away just being super impressed with this guy, <laughs> you know. And he's yeah, a guy I didn't know any, he's a guy I didn't know anything about at all. But it's like not only is the stuff good, he just seems to be really cerebral. Yeah, well. I, I, like first off, if you get into a two strike count, uh, that... oh, I think we may have dropped. Uh, we may have dropped Ryan. Um, yeah, it was, it, it's fascinating. You know, every every year, Kevin, you in the postseason, you uh, th- there's a guy that emerges. And yep. people really glom onto him, and they start looking at him, going, "Where'd this guy come?" Like, you just you see it. And for me, this year, Ginkle's been the guy. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he made some really good... re- he made some really good hitters look really yeah. uncomfortable. Lefties and righties, right? I mean, yes. the, the the secondary stuff that he has plays to both sides of the plate, which is a big deal. I think he can get called strikes with that. He gets a hitter in swing mode. And it'll be interesting to see how Tori Lovello uses him, right? It's it's the same way with Jose LeClerc. Like, okay, there. We've got, we'll get back. We've got Ryan back. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for your patience. I was just talking about that, you know, uh, hearing so much about yeah, Kevin Ginkle slider. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, here's this four-seamer that he's quite comfortable throwing with two strikes. Yeah, and I was saying like, well, I think you have to remember a league league batting average on once you get the two strikes is is one sixty. It's actually one fifty eight. So it basically tells you you don't have to be perfect once you get to two strikes. And when you do have a slider like Ginkle does, hitters are are kind of looking for it and they're well aware of it, and so they might key in on it. Like, uh, you know, what? I'm going to look slider with two strikes, so you can really get somebody with a fastball. And and you're right. I mean, it's just thinking it like. You have to think of everything as a like the pitcher hitter matchup counts leverage counts as as like trying to understand all right what can this pitcher throw for a strike early what can a guy throw for a strike late what is he going to get me to chase late it's no longer you know like I, I hear from like old school hitting philosophy well just look for a pitch down the middle and adjust I was like okay you can't always do that because. Some of the velocities of these pitchers are 97 to 100 miles an hour, which is telling you, like, Kevin, you know this, once yeah. you get over 92, 93 miles an hour, you, you don't have the reaction time to just, like, make an adjustment looking for a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and just adjust to a slider. You, you almost have to be pot committed on one or the other. So it's not about guessing because you're not trying to guess all the time because you'll never get it right. But it's about at least being prepared mentally. What you're when you're looking for spin, how your timing is. If you're cutting the plate in half, you know it's all those little things that that lead hitters to being able to hit. You know a slider like Ginkle that has all this horizontal movement. So that that's that's basically what a hitter's trying to do, especially when they get you know against one of these relievers that they maybe have never seen before. Um, and that's the that's the last little part, like. Hitters do better. That's why you pay attention to what relievers are being used. Uh, hitters do better the second, third time through that they see somebody because we'll pick up release point. I'll have a better idea of how the ball comes out of your hand, and then I can make better decisions. Otherwise, like if I see you for the first time, the only way I really get a hit off of you is if you miss right down the middle and I hit it. Like That's about it.
Spilly, you think that Brent Strom can use the same approach with him and Gabby Moreno that they used the last two games against the Phillies? They got a lot of swing and miss. I think they had 21 punch outs the two games the Phillies did and the two games they lost in Philadelphia. That's put a good approach. I think it's sort of what you're talking about, right, is in sequencing and fastball counts and, you know, you, you're thinking about, oh, whoa, maybe you're throwing your nastiest secondary pitch instead of trying to get ahead with fastballs. Do you think they can have that same approach as a staff going forward here because what the the Rangers do, they don't swing and miss a ton, right? I mean, they got guys that That's swing right. and miss, but a lot of the dudes, mainly one through nine, don't do a ton of that. You think Brent Strom can use that same approach that they had against the Phillies, apply it to the Rangers in the first couple of games? Maybe. you got to remember, though, the Phillies, the, like that offense was trying – so hard to do. I mean, going back to the question about like what's the difference between regular season baseball and postseason baseball. The Phillies, like their main guys, are trying to square it up and hit it out. <laughs> you know, like they weren't they weren't trying to just like hit the ball off of the field or hard up the middle. Like Castellanos was trying to hit it was trying to nuke one right. Like like Schwarber was trying to hit a bomb. Um, so you know, when it's six and seven and they, they have to win at home and they're so excited to go to the world series in front of their crowd. I think the Phillies just, they, they got too big. You know, they, they got too emotional. They were, they were far too like wanting to have this, this moment of a possible bat spike and sentiment in the world series that they, they weren't, they didn't take their good professional at bats. So I, I think it, you know, Strom and, and like, when when players are all geeked up and they're all like excited, you know, the traditional rule of thought is to slow them down as a pitcher. You just like when the moment gets big and fast, you go slower and slower. And that's exactly what that's what the that's what that's what they did. They just went slower. They just took their foot off the gas and, and let them spin into the dirt. I don't think the Rangers are going to be that emotional game one and two. Possibly game six and seven, especially when they're at home if they're trying to win a World Series. I mean, that's that's human nature, right? Like, so it's not like it's not like the Phillies are bad hitters. I think they just got emotional. I, I think they just got human. Um, yep. And so if if the Diamondbacks are going to try to go and let off the gas, you got to make sure that the players are are over aggressive. And if they see that, and you could see it. I mean, it's always clear when somebody's like trying a little bit too hard. Uh, you can see it like clear as day. So you'll have to take a look first time through the lineup, see where they're at. Um, but, yeah, I mean, going soft is not a bad approach from a pitching standpoint. Ryan, really good of you to join us today. Uh, I know it's a, a hectic day for you. Look forward to your call tonight alongside Dave Fleming on the MLB International feed. Thank you for doing this, my friend. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Take care. That's Ryan Spielborgs, and he will have the call alongside Dave Fleming tonight. Game one of the World Series, 805 first pitch from uh, – Arlington, George W. Bush throwing out the first. How about pitch, that? Which, How about that? as someone who was in Yankee at in the stands at Yankee Stadium in 2001 after 9/11, where he threw out the first pitch, uh, I, I look first pitches national anthems. I don't pay much attention to them to be honest, but uh, that was something else. That was uh, that was a that, that was an, an interesting moment. 
And uh, it'll be interesting to see George Bush throwing out the first pitch tonight. Uh, Of course, the Diamondbacks, the last time they were in the World Series was 2011. Luis Gonzalez walked off Mariano Rivera and the Yankees and, and basically stuck a fork in the Yankees dynasty. From that point on, it was just a matter of... Um, all right, when does Jeter go? When does Bernie Williams go? When do all these guys leave? Uh, it really was. There, there are, you know, there are significant moments in every sport where mm-hmm. you look back at them and you go, a whole bunch of things happened as a result of that. That is one of those moments that uh, really kind of turned the baseball world on its axis, I guess. We'll see if that happens. We'll see if that happens here. Uh, but again... One thing about baseball, man, it is tough to repeat. It is tough to repeat as a champion in this sport. Like you just you and and that's that's why I always caution people when they talk about the playoff format. You know, don't fool around with it too much. This is what you want. This it if if you're a baseball fan, isn't this what you want? The idea that if your team makes the playoffs, you really can go on and win the World Series? I I, I yep. think that's what you want, Kevin. Yeah, it gives a team a, a team that's trying to win a World Series a blueprint on how to do it. That's yeah. why it's hard to repeat. Exactly. Right? So, so yeah, look, it's it's going to take your superstars being your superstars and you not beating yourself. These two teams are good. They're yeah. they're here for a reason, and it's probably going to be that team or that bullpen arm or that starter or that superstar in the offense that hits in the middle of the order that just doesn't show up. That sort of you know sticks a fork in that team and, and doesn't mm. allow them to go where they want to go. So yeah, it's intriguing. I was sort of spilly, right? I could see it going both ways. I mean, I, I'm I'm sort of pulling for the Diamondbacks, but if you told me that the the Rangers would sweep the Diamondbacks, huh? I would believe that too. So I'm sort of caught in the middle here. You know, you could go all over the place here, and I think this is this is sort of good for baseball. It's a couple it's of different really teams that either team could win, which is yeah. kind of nice to to watch and listen to. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider. He is at the World Series. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this winter thinking about it. And then there were a couple instances, a couple articles, a couple things that that kind of made up my mind, um, you know, in late summer. And uh, but you know that didn't have anything uh, to do with tarnishing my job or anything like that because I wanted to win. Because that is, you know, I had a couple businesses, but nothing satisfies me like like the thrill of competition and 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 the quest to win. And it gave me an opportunity to. You know, to be a champion, even though I always felt like a champion, I just want to say thank you. Uh, um, you know, retiring from from the field here in Houston, I haven't made up my mind yet what I'm what I'm going to do or where I'm going to go. First, I'm going to go home, talk to my daughter to think that she's my mother, and um, uh, spend some time with my grandkids and, and let the Lord tell me where to go and and what to do. That was Dusty Baker yesterday announcing that he is stepping down uh, as manager of the Houston Astros. And, um, you know, uh, Dusty being Dusty, it's it's um, 
part of me, well, first of all, like a lot of people, I'm, you know, I, it's, I'm glad Dusty got his ring as a manager and, 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 and all that. But, um, I don't know. I just I don't know if if there's another act for Dusty someplace in baseball. Um, you know, I I'm I'm sure the commissioner's office always has room for another uh senior advisor or or ambassador. Um but uh it it uh it's going to seem odd. I I think not to see Dusty not to see Dusty managing a team. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider, and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Jeff, thanks for doing this. Uh, yeah, look, it, you know, looking at looking at Dusty's career, first of all, I, could, I think anybody who's spent time around him as a writer or certainly as a player, Kevin can attest to that. thinks a lot thinks a lot of Dusty Baker. But I thought about this yesterday when I was listening to his news conference and watching it. Jeff, do you think that Dusty? Do you think he's changed the way? people perceive the Houston Astros because one of the reasons I think Houston brought him in is you know after the the, the cheating scandal um you know, it's hard to dislike Dusty and and I've always kind of thought that part of the reason for this was bringing Dusty in was a way of kind of cleaning up a bit of the mess as, as much as it can be cleaned up anyhow it, Am I overplaying that? I think, and if that is if that is the case, if you do agree with me on that, do you think he's accomplished any of that? Um, I mean, he one hundred percent came in to to be a flak jacket, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, Dusty was going to take every bullet fired the the way of the Houston Astros, and he did an admirable job at that. Like that that was a big part of this and and because of that I think he you know was a really good hire and and it goes beyond the fact that they won the World Series last year but do people feel any differently about the Astros because Dusty Baker was there um, I'm pretty sure that that's not the case at all like they you know the, to, to me the litmus test there Jeff is Jose Altuve and he still gets absolutely destroyed everywhere he goes yeah it, you know fans fans loathe him um, it I think once he goes and once Alex Bregman goes, there may be like a transitional time. But as long as there are people on the roster who are still on the 2017 team, um, I think it's going to be hard for fans to get past it. And that's, you know, they're they're well within their rights. Like, I get it. The, The Astros did something really egregious. And all these years later, they're still paying the price for that. I, I don't have any issues with there being consequences for actions because like that's what you try to teach your kids, right? Like you you have to think to do the right thing because if you don't, you and your decision making are putting yourself in a position to be maligned. Jeff, what do you think's next for the Astros? What kind of manager do you think they're looking for? a really good question uh, and i think it you know it, it could be different strategically than the type of manager that they would have gone for in the past because jeff luno and james click were both extremely analytics driven general managers and dana brown's a scout and somebody who comes from that background and that's not to suggest that he doesn't take into account analytics I just think that when when you are reared in in a particular area of the game, 
it's what you know, like that, that's your identity. So, um, to me, Joe Spada makes all the sense in the world, you know, a guy who's been there in Houston, who's been the bench coach who the players like, um, but it's a, it's a very attractive job because the Astros have been to seven straight ALCSs. So why wouldn't you want to take a job at a place where there's been nothing but winning? Jeff, when you look at this World Series with uh, Texas and and Arizona, um, are there any sort of broad stroke or any, you know, trends or things we can take from the fact that these two teams are in the World Series that, that, that maybe, you know, point to something broader happening in baseball? Yeah, obviously the fact that both of them were wild card teams. I mean, again, to me, that just kind of shows the strength of the, the whole postseason format. But is there, are, are there any sort of trends or anything you think we've seen from here that, that, that might carry over to other teams or might have some sort of impact on, on, on how other teams approach things? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a stat that I'm pretty sure you don't know that's going to blow your mind. Um, the okay. record for the fewest number of errors by a team in a season is 54 by the 2013 Baltimore Orioles. The second fewest errors of any team in baseball history, the Arizona Diamondbacks with 56 in 2023, and the third fewest, is the Texas Rangers in 2023 with 57. What that no means idea. is, I know. And, and, and look, I fully acknowledge that the way errors are called today is different than how they were in the past. And that uh, official scores are much more liberal with awarding hits on borderline plays than maybe they used to be. But even if you adjust for that change and it's when it would be a limited adjustment, these are two incredibly defensively elite teams. And it was so interesting to me yesterday because, you know, like I, I, I realized this in the middle of the night, like no, nobody's talked about this. Um, and I just sort of stumbled upon it. Like, oh boy, those are low error totals and just went back and looked at it. And I'm like, wow, those aren't just low. They're, they're incredibly low. Um, so I started, you know, sorting on fan graphs, like, uh, by all the, the modern metrics, like defensive runs saved, um, and outs above average and stuff like that. And at the top of the leaderboard, it was the Toronto Blue Jays, like again and again. And, and it's wild. It just, it That's just because of that Dalton Varsho deal, man. How about that it? Dalton Varsho deal keeps, wow. keeps paying off. As I tell people, it keeps Home paying run. off for the Blue Jays. <laughs> wow. Wow. I am I am so glad I set you up to deliver that punchline. Um You did. Thanks, man. Please continue. That's that, that's what I do. Um it, it just it just <laughs> it it makes me wonder what happens if the Jays get out of the first round. Like can they you know, they play clean baseball, right? Like that's the you know, we can we can laugh about Dalton Varsho's defensive run save number, but by and large, the Jays were pretty darn good defensive baseball team. And yeah. if fundamental baseball is, I don't know if that's precisely what's getting these teams to the World Series. It's probably not just that. I mean, you know, the Rangers hitting 
15 home runs in the ALCS is absurd. And the Diamondbacks having the bullpen success that they have, whether it's Kevin Ginkle with nine scoreless innings or Paul Seawold with eight scoreless innings, um, or Ryan Thompson with five and two thirds of, of one run, like, um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to see for me, at least as somebody who loves the game, it's pretty cool to see these teams that have different approaches and different strategies on the offensive side, because that's what their personnel dictates. But on the defensive side, both of them still can be extremely good. Jeff, how do you think Boach will use Max Scherzer? Two and two-thirds ain't probably best. what's best for his team in game three if that's when he's pitching of a World Series. I know he'll do it if he has to do it, but expectations. Is there anything that you saw, do you think that they saw in his last outing? Maybe it was velocity, maybe it was break, maybe it was strike ones, maybe it was whatever totality of maybe what that what would turn Max Scherzer into whatever they want to turn yeah. him into for game three. Do you think they have enough confidence in him that, say, he gets in a little trouble, say, third inning of his start, that maybe Boach would not pay attention to that, give him a little longer leash? Kevin, I think it is entirely context-dependent. I think if the Texas Rangers leave Globe Park uh, or Globe Life Field um, up two games to none, uh, then Max Scherzer will get a longer leash. And I think if the series is split or the Diamondbacks take both, he will not have a long leash. Um, and, and it was interesting hearing and talking about it yesterday. I mean, the guy whose World Series debut was like a decade and a half ago. I mean, he's been around for a long, long time doing this. So there is some inherent benefit of the doubt. I think that's given him. Most pitchers, for example, probably would not have been activated by the ALCS after a shoulder strain. They would have just been shut down for the year, and that would have been the end of the story. But Max Scherzer is not just any average guy. You know, He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a multiple-time Cy Young Award winner. And uh, because of that, I think Bruce Boshi wants nothing more than to see Max Scherzer succeed. Uh, to to me, the series may well hinge on. I'm not going to say it's going to hinge on Scherzer, because there there's so many other people. But it's going to be an inflection point in the series. How long Max Scherzer goes in Game Three? What the the Rangers do to cover those innings, and where they go in Game Four and potentially Game Seven as well. Like the, you know, Game One, you have Nathan Avaldi, um, and it, it's very simple. Like if he's pitching well he's going to pitch very deep into the game and if he's not uh then you're in trouble uh with jordan montgomery again he's going to pitch deep into the game if he's pitching well and uh that you know they're they're gonna depending on what happened in game one they're going to approach that differently but uh nothing about three four and seven is going to be normal and and to me the only thing that can keep the Rangers from their winning their first World Series in the 63 years that this franchise has existed is going to be the lax pitching depth. And it, it's a good thing that they have 
like arguably the best bullpen manager of all time and Bruce Bochy, a guy who's been doing this for decades and it's really, really good at it. Yeah, it is amazing. The one takeaway from this playoffs, Jeff, is how much these teams have dreaded putting their Hall of Famers in the game. Clayton Kershaw with the Dodgers, Craig Kimbrough, yeah. if you think he is a Hall of Famer, and now you're talking nope. about Max Scherzer, and they're, it's almost like a giant unknown that it may screw up everything you're trying to do if Max goes two and two-thirds again. Like, it's it somewhat makes you scratch your head a little bit on just the, the quality of the future Hall of Famers that we've seen in these playoffs. Age, Mr. Barker, is oh. undefeated. How about that? I don't know about that. But... It is when you're trying to throw the baseball, a, I guess. A, yeah, yeah I know. Blair, Blair, please, yeah, please. Like, I understand that you're old and feel good about yourself now, but come on. The Negro Brothers. <laughs> Nolan Ryan. I, no, it, it, know, it, I love, it is a good point. I, I love... Yeah, I I love when you answer questions on uh, on on aging with two knuckleballers and the most extreme <laughs> outlier in the history of the sport. Unicorns. Well, that's true. <laughs> Just wait till Shohei Otani's wait till Shohei Otani's fifty one and hitting bombs. Just wait wait till that happens. <laughs> then we can have the. Well, no, by that point I'll be. Yeah, we won't we won't uh, we won't we won't talk about that. Uh, well, hey, go, is you'll, uh, you'll still be around you? You, you, I mean, Probably. hopefully you won't. Hopefully you won't be working, but you won't be dead. I don't think. Okay. I don't know. Flares well, <laughs> do tend to live. We've got we've got a lot of uncles who are ninety. My mother turns ninety nine in are, a couple of weeks. And yeah, hold on. Oh, what yeah. are your ninety something year old uncles like? Like do they? Oh, they're all they taking. Va- no, they're all. They're all there. I mean, they're, you know, the, they don't drive anymore. I mean, my mother turned her license in when she was 92. Uh, so they don't drive cars anymore. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, still walk, still lucid. You know, don't have to empty the drill they, bucket yet. So, Yeah, do they take advantage of their old man license? Do you guys, do you guys know the, the concept of old man license? Uh, no, but I'm intrigued Senior about citizen it. Senior citizen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the idea of old man license, I you know, I I, I look at Buck O'Neill and God bless Buck O'Neill for, for those who don't know Buck, he was um a a player uh in the Negro Leagues, a coach in the Negro League, the first black coach in major league baseball, like lived an extraordinary life and spent the end of his life working for the Negro Leagues baseball museum in Kansas City is an ambassador and someone who keep telling the stories and keeping alive the memories of the Negro leagues. Um, but Buck liked pretty women. And, <laughs> and, and, and by the time Buck reached 85, like he just didn't give a damn anymore. And when, when he would go up and, and flirt with women and, and say things that, uh, you know, could be construed as inappropriate. He was over 85. He had old man license to do so. Like it's, it's the concept that when, when you have lived long enough, you get away with things that you would not get away with otherwise. And uh, I don't know if that is, is right or, or wrong, probably wrong, but 
at the same time, there there are old folks who say things, and I just feel like your uncles would be the old folks who say things. Uh, well, maybe one of them. Maybe one of them. <laughs> there's another one. There's another one. Yeah, there's definitely definitely one of them. He was an undercover narcotics cop in the one. Vancouver Police Department, believe it or not. So yeah, he would. Wow. Yeah. I know. Yes. Uh, anyhow, well, I've got a, an old man license that says I can cut you off right now because it's eleven fifty-two. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We got it. We're up against the clock. Anyhow, uh, I yeah. do know this though: there ought to be an age limit on Twitter. Like once you're sixty, if you're still on Twitter at sixty-five, then you've got to, you've made some horrible life decisions. That's the only way yeah. I can put it. I, I, I think that is exceeded. Like. When there's somebody who's in their 70s on on Twitter coming back at me, um, it's it's usually wild, man. It really is. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's not a good thing, Mister Passon. Enjoyed our conversation. Uh, enjoy the World Series. I think it's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. It's nice seeing two new teams in. Amen to that. Enjoy it yourself, boys. Take See you, care. buddy. Jeff Passon, MLB Insider with ESPN. Um. That's interesting about the uh, about the lowest error total. Even though I understand errors are, you know, as Jeff said, uh, yeah. the official scoring has is, is changed over the years. But it might point out to something, Kevin, about how the game has changed, speeding up of the game, maybe even the bigger bases. I I don't know. It, it isn't it is intriguing that the two teams that play the cleanest baseball have advanced, which suggests to me that that. Varsho deal is going to pay big dividends next year. Big! Big! Big dividends. Dividends, Kevin, this big. Uh, that's it for us. We'll be back on Monday from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. If you're listening via podcast, please leave a lovely five-star rating and review. Most importantly, though, enjoy the weekend and enjoy the baseball.